Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right. And today we are joined uh, by a guest who is a fellow fan of sports betting. Uh, He is from the Action Network. It is Michael Calabrese. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I got to gotta level with you straight out of the box here, though. I do have a College Football Bros t-shirt. I won one of those uh, trivia contests that you held back yeah. in the day, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to be like that guy who wears the t-shirt of the band he's going Should've to been see. That guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so I try to play it a little cooler than usual. <laughs> respect. I got you. <laughs> you know, we I, it would have been more respect if you wore it, but I, I get your reasoning there. Um, a real bro groupie would have right <laughs> it's kind of it's you know it would be cool if you wore it like when i wear it on a show it's just kind of sad a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh all right um but i wanted to ask you about uh we mentioned you're from the action network you just had a an article go up there recently that was kind of comparing um some similarities i guess uh between the 2007 season which was crazy and what maybe has a chance to happen in 2021 so what what are the kind of parallels you saw there So essentially in 2007, you saw just a handful of teams come from way off the radar, whether they were ranked in the 20s to start the season, many of them unranked, and they moved all the way up to the top five and in a few cases moved all the way to number two before falling unceremoniously back to earth. So you had like Cal with Nate Longshore, you had Boston College with Matt Ryan, Matt Grothy at USF. All these programs kind of, you know, it was a perfect storm. So when I was looking at it from a meteorological perspective to keep the analogy going, you're looking for similar factors that came together. And almost all of them, you throw Kansas in there with Todd Reesing as well. They had a lot of production coming back, and they had a quarterback with experience of at least one year. And when you look at this year coming up in 2021, as you know, we're on the doorstep of the season, it's this confluence of events that have created teams returning production and what my coworker at the Action Network, Colin Wilson, refers to as TARP, which is returning production, but he's also adding in the transfer element. And with that, holistically looking at it, there are 26 teams in the country that return over 80% of their overall production. In a given year, you're going to see between like 6 to 10. So more than double that is coming back. And in a lot of cases, these are teams that are not ranked in the top 25 and would be characterized as you know a hard out. And in a lot of cases, every single conference, and I, I really enjoyed your conference previews, as you were going through and doing those tiers, you kind of talked about those teams that were pesky, that were you know a, a pain to get through. And I think you're going to see some pretty significant upsets this year, and some teams you know get off to a hot start in the way that uh, Iowa did, and I believe it was 2015 when they started you know 11 and 0, 12 and 0 to start the season, kind of coming out of nowhere. Where we're going to look up in October, and it's like, did we really see an undefeated NC State, or did we see yeah. you know a, a, pr- a program like Pitt or Iowa or somebody with not a lot of sex appeal? in a given year, kind of knocking up Nebraska? against that top 10. Maybe Nebraska? <laughs> I, I mean, we'll, we'll reel it back a little bit, but you yeah, feel free okay, to use I'll, your imagination for right, sure. I got, a little, I got a little excited there. <laughs> but I just think there's, there's so much kind of trending in that direction. And because of that, I think you're going to see some teams really hold their own and put some of those ranked teams. And that's the other the side of the coin here. When you look at Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, these are programs that are quote unquote going to reload, but they have so much production to replace. And in a given year, that may not be as big of a deal, but with so many teams having not only the player continuity, but coaching continuity as well, fewer schools turned over like OCs and DCs because of COVID and contracts and all these issues, you're going to see, I think, a better product on the field top to bottom in college football this year. Makes sense. We deserve right. it. Yeah. We deserve it after last year. I'm ready. So. All right, then. So let's move on to uh, 
some of the best bets that you have you have throughout the year. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of start with uh, mo- ma- mainly the season win total. So I think you gave us four of those. So um, I guess we'll kind of start with uh, NC State. You, I see you mentioned them already. So I'm, <laughs> I think you're trying to foreshadow that a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, NC State, what, uh, what are your thoughts kind of on them this year? And NC State comes in with an interesting mix. They have over 90% of returning production on defense, which is top 10 nationally. They have a defensive player of the year candidates at linebacker. So they're not just a team that's bringing back a lot of experience. They certainly have you know, skill, future NFL players. And then when you look at, at offense, I think it's important to keep in mind when comparing last season to predictions for this upcoming year. There was weird sample sizes. There were teams that had games canceled and players who had to sit out. And NC State was just a different animal when Devin Leary was in a quarterback. You saw his over, you know, I believe it was a kind of a shot clock buzzer beater kind of win against Pitt. He played an incredible game and their offense just went to a new level when he was in there. And then the skill position players I love, Zonovan Bam, you know, at, at running back is so dynamic. And the fact that they can kind of build around him as a Swiss army knife out of the backfield, I, I think just gives them a chance with Dave Doran to finally punch through that ceiling. And the other element of it for me is that they catch North Carolina and Clemson at home and Clemson for all of their world beater status, which they have earned and the recruiting and the ACC championships and the playoff berths, you know, it goes on and on and on every single year, really going back to 2015, they've messed around either losing outright or winning in a one possession game against an ACC opponent that they shouldn't. They did it a couple times with Syracuse. They got burned in the Carrier Dome. NC State should have beat them. I believe it was about three or four years ago. They missed a field goal in Death Valley. I think that's going to come up to bite them again in what should be, you know, quote unquote, rebuilding year for Dabo Swinney. The fact that he doesn't have, you know, Travis Etienne, some of his explosive skill position players to rely on. So I really like NC State over on this one. And I think they're certainly a play, um, you know, to win the ACC because you're going to get huge odds. Any team that is not Clemson, you get huge odds. So I'm really bullish on the Wolfpack. I'm I'm with you. I like NC State this year. Yeah, NC State over six and a half. First pick there. Cool. All right, so now to a team that uh, maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum had a lot of turmoil and, and change. So what do you think of Josh Heupel's first year with the Tennessee Vols? So I brought up earlier the TARP, you know, the, the transfers and, you know, that impact on a team. They had seven three-stars and seven four-stars walk out the door in the offseason. Yeah. There's really not a program outside of Tuscaloosa that could handle that and keep expectations where they should be. And I think, interestingly... You didn't see their season win total move all that much. And because of that, I think there's a little bit of, of optimism at their quarterback position. Hendon Hooker, for instance, at Virginia Tech was dynamic at times last year. But how good is he going to have to be if he ends up being the QB1 and playing the majority of the year to elevate a roster that's just not there by SEC standards? And when I run down the schedule, I look at you know three to four winnable games where I feel comfortable if I was in a position backing Tennessee and the rest are either toss ups or they're going to be double digit underdogs. And I I think that's also taking into account that a team like South Alabama won't suddenly get it together down the stretch and they've lost to Sunbelt teams in the past. And then South Carolina and Vanderbilt, those are the, you know, the doormats in the SEC East, but there's at least a little bit of reason for optimism with South Carolina and Vanderbilt has, you know, a new identity. I, I just don't see it on Rocky top this year. And I think you're also getting signals from Vegas where the under is minus 175. It's juiced so extremely. They're begging people to either not bet the under or, you know, be talked into the over. I'm not going to fall into that trap. I'm going to go, you know, Tennessee under six and a half here. 
All right, let's uh, get to a, a G5 pick and a team that I guess we have talked about on this podcast, but not a lot. Um, but they are very intriguing. Uh, Western Kentucky, their over-under is five and a half. What do you think there? So if this you know operation, college football operation, I should say, that they pulled off is successful, I think it could be emulated by many programs moving forward. Western Kentucky did you know, a post-mortem on their season last year, and they said, listen, we're awful on offense. We need a brand new identity. And a lot of, you know, coaches will go the Juco route in in that, you know, state. They want kids who are ready to play right away as juniors and seniors. They went that to the extreme. They went down to Houston Baptist. They grabbed their quarterback, who was a Walter Payton Award finalist. So the, you know, FCS Heisman. He absolutely shredded North Texas and Texas Tech last year on the road, throwing. And he almost beat Texas Tech, took his top three receivers and they ported them all over to Western Kentucky, which was an incomplete team. They were unbalanced, you know, much better defensively than offensively. For that reason, not only do I think Western Kentucky is a great play at over five and a half here, but they are 10 to 1, 12 to 1, depending on the book, to win Conference USA, which should be a pretty wide open by G5 standards conference. So I, I love everything that they have going there. Zappi's a guy that I followed very closely last year because I just happened to be betting over in a few of the games that he was tossing the ball around. And he just looks so comfortable and because he's also coming with a, a major member of his coaching staff, I don't think the transition is going to be difficult for him up to the FBS level. Yeah, yeah it was, was fun to watch at the beginning of the year last year. And their schedule, too. They get they draw Indiana and Michigan State in back-to-back weeks, so he's going to have a chance to really become like a, a household yeah. name this year. Yeah, they all have a shot. Um, all right, let's get to your last over-under here. Uh, it's a team that uh, actually all of us bros are, are usually pretty high on, and Trey is extremely usually high on. Uh, <laughs> TCU. Uh, so what do you think, Gary Patterson's squad? I think this is the the best roster top to bottom that Patterson's had since that Peach Bowl team that was just on the outside of the college football playoff in 2014 with Boykin and a lot of those dynamic skill position players, Dotson and, and the like. You know, what they have in their backfield with Duggan and Zach Evans, I think arguably outside of Oklahoma is the best one-two punch. He really impressed me down the stretch. They caught fire. They went five and one in their last six. They were beating teams by over two touchdowns. And I think, you know, his sneaky athleticism gives them an element where if they can just get a little bit better on the perimeter, I think they'll have an opportunity to take this whole thing to the next level. And it's another team where I think they're actually going to leapfrog, no pun intended, Iowa State into that second perch in the Big 12 and get a rematch against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. So I, I love TCU. I think they're also worth a flyer. What's interesting, state by state with all these sports books popping up, you can see a huge disparity outside of like the top 30 or 40 teams. So I saw a, a few books listing TCU at 175 to 1 to win the national championship. Barstool Sportsbook in Pennsylvania listed them at 500 to 1. So I, I went in huh. threw a few bucks on that. If they get to the Big Twelve title game, then I'm in Hedge City, so I'll be I'll be very happy in that case. That's true. Well, speaking of national championship bets, let's look at uh, the market there. Do you think? Uh, did you find any other value uh, in that market? It's another one where it pays to shop around, particularly because the offseason college football is so long and there's not a whole lot of roster movement after spring. So you don't see numbers changing all that dramatically as you might in the NFL with the NFL draft and you know free agency and late trades and things like that. Um, so it did pay to, to shop around a little bit. And Oklahoma was sitting at plus 650, 7 to 1 at a lot of books, actually found um, at plus 820 at FanDuel. And I think when you look at their roster, and their coaching staff, there's just 
no holes on this team. And that the way that they played to end last year, I understand Florida was leaking oil coming into that Cotton Bowl, but they dominated them. And that wasn't a fluke, to be honest. Alex Grinch's defense, in my opinion, has finally turned the corner. They are really stingy against the run. Much like any Big 12 team, if they can get a little bit better against the pass, I think this becomes you know a top 20 defense. And when you pair it with the offensive skill talent they have, I mentioned Tennessee earlier, their best player, Eric Gray, now coming over as a running back. Everything the Rattler showed down the stretch, Mims, Weasel, like all of it on the perimeter just screams to me like almost a lock to make the, the college football playoff. And finally, because they are a complete team, I'm not scared that it's going to be, you know, a, a repeat for Lincoln Riley in the college football playoff. Yeah, they've they've uh, the defense hasn't quite been there and they've <clears> run <throat> into some juggernauts, too. So it's been it's been rough. But this a lot of people think this is the year. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um Let's get to some actual games, though. So week one, of course, is is coming up here. And the game of the year, possibly, is in week one, Clemson against Georgia. What what value do you see there? So most people don't wait the entire offseason to sprint up to the sportsbook window, whether physically or metaphorically, to place a bet on under. But this one, really, to me, all the signs are pointing to the under. As I mentioned earlier, Clemson losing Travis Etienne, which is really their only home run threat in that offense. For all their four and five star wide receivers, without Justin Ross, they just weren't as dynamic in the passing game. And I think Big Ocho is going to be tremendous this year. I think he's going to be a great, you know, goal line threat and added dimension to their offense, being more effective in the red zone. But in terms of beating a team, you know, 70 yards at a time, I just don't see it from the Clemson offense in this game. And then when you look at Georgia, there was so much optimism coming out of that peach ball win. But then Pickens goes down. Eric Gilbert is suddenly nowhere to be found on campus. They have other injuries at wide receiver. I think they're going to, you know, for all of the the talk that Kirby Smart's going to open it up. This is the year that JT Daniels is, you know, going to throw for 4,000 yards and be a Heisman finalist. I think they're going to rely on a very strong running game. So I see this game being played in the high teens, low 20s, which would be comfortably under the number. I think it's sitting at 52 right now. Uh, Yeah, it's a good rationale there. I like that one as well. Um, almost as big as that game, Clemson, Georgia, you have another one that you like Texas state at Baylor. I know it's another one that people are gearing up for. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what are you thinking on that one? So I, I, I'm going to admit, I love dumpster diving when it comes to college football and betting on Texas state is just about the bottom of the barrel. Um, but having watched I've done four worse. or five, of, yeah, for four or five of their games last <laughs> year down in San Marcos, this is, you know, a, a former Johnny Manziel coach, Spavital. You know, he, he's got the the connections to that kind of improvisational run-and-gun offense. And you saw little glimmers of it last year. They should have been blown out by SMU. It was a one-possession game. They go up to Chestnut Hill to play Boston College, who was totally revamped under Dracovic and, you know, almost beat North Carolina. They were a good team, and I think they're going to be a very good team in the ACC this year. They almost beat that team, too. So when you look at a team going from three and nine to two and ten, just human nature, you say this team must stink. And Baylor, it's an in-state rivalry, you know, and a group of five going up against a, a power program. Baylor is going to have a new quarterback who, you know, for by all accounts is going to be talented, but it'll be his his first go around leading the program. They were a mess last year, and this is also a defensive-minded coach. This really comes down to, to me about shopping around again. At 13 and a half, it's a pass. At 14, it's a play. Anything higher than that, I feel more bullish on. And it seems, you know, at times like, you know, you're, you're splitting hairs on things like that. But I do think this number and that key spot of that two touchdowns is worth investing some time to get the right one. All right. Well, staying kind of in the, the state of Texas, one of the big storylines, of course, was 
Steve Sarkeesian going to Texas. So the, the last bet you have here is uh, Texas given nine to Louisiana. It's a tricky, tricky first game, but what, uh, what are you liking in this one? So Louisiana, rightfully so, got a lot of positive you know, publicity last year. They go to Ames. They just absolutely truck Iowa State, but in a game where they scored multiple non-offensive touchdowns. And then being a Sunbelt fan, I watched them mess around and almost lose to Georgia State, almost lose to Georgia Southern. They're in a one-possession game against Coastal Carolina. If you play that season back one more time, they probably have two losses. And I think we just pump the brakes a little bit on the enthusiasm. And then on top of it, they return more production than any team in the entire country. They are number one, Bill Conley's SP plus numbers, all of it. So you look at that and you get excited about the continuity. But because of that, I know exactly what I have. And what we had last year was a power running team with a very good group of five defense that was comfortable playing close games with a good kicker. But they lose their top two running backs in Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis. And now they have Chris Smith, who is dynamic as kind of a, a change of pace, third down back, kick returner. But are they expecting him to be able to fill in on the big stage right away? And also, one final note, just from a, a mentality perspective, there's no sneaking up on Texas now. It's a brand new coaching staff. They want to make a good impression. And you know they're playing that tape against Iowa State. So there's there's no chance that Texas is going to sleepwalk into this game. And it opened at about 11 and a half. And the, the public is you know betting it in such a way that it's now under that key number of 10. So I don't mind laying the points, and I think this is going to be a coming-out party for Bijan Robinson. I see him having a huge day and uh, a nice start to the Sark era. That, Texas is back. Yeah, Texas, Texas is back, will be baby. back. <laughs> hey, that's a ranked matchup there. So, no, that that game is very exciting. Like, whatever happens, oh, yeah. it's, for that one. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, cool. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, if people want to find your work, want to follow you, where where can they do that? So I'm over at Twitter at East Breeze, B-R-E-E-S-E. As you mentioned, the Action Network, I will now be a co-host of the Big Bets on Campus podcast covering exclusively the group of five in the midweek and Colin and Stucky handling the, the rest of the national stage. And you can also find my work at Saturday Down South. I do a, an article aptly titled Betting Stuff, you know, kind of explaining <laughs> the odds and ends of gambling to a community that has not been tuned in all that much. More, you know, A little bit more Alabama is really good and Tennessee stinks. That's as far as they get into it. So I'm yeah. there to hold their hands and, and help them make a little money during the fall. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, next time you come on the show, you got to wear the college football bro shirt, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll let it slide this time. But uh, I mean, as you can see in the background, I have every all 130 FCS helmets. So if you guys want to get yourself some, uh, Ooh. you know, college Ooh, football okay, bros yeah. helmets, I would be happy to put it on the shelf and <laughs> Should wear like a shirt, a mug, get a hat. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I am, right. I'm a we'll walking billboard. That. I'm for sale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And thanks to everyone for checking out this episode. And enjoy. We got week zero coming up. So enjoy that. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.